drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Broodlands. Welcome to episode 98 of Brewbloods, a very special episode. Maybe one of the most special we've had. Indeed it is. Uh, my name is Mark, joined by my constant companion, Dustin. That's true. Here for, uh, like I said, a very special episode. It's like the 80s when somebody would molest Willis or <laughs> somebody would get stuck in a fridge and Punky Brewster. So it was usually somebody getting stuck in something. Or, yeah. yeah, it was something about their swimsuit area. Yeah, often so yeah, often the, yes, the, the most private of areas are being violated. <laughs> or when, you know, Punky was was thieving on Christmas. Very True. special episodes. Or, or Jesse OD'd on uh, caffeine, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, caffeine pills, yes. This is our version of a very special episode because uh, randomly a few weeks ago, a representative for Goose Island in North Texas, uh, Michael Vital, uh, reached out to us. This is before, back before Big Texas, and we just happened to randomly meet him there, working yeah. at Goose Island booth. But he reached out to us and said he wanted us to host a events for uh, industry lunch, a VIP lunch here locally uh, with Goose Island. Very exclusive folks there, very exclusive. like Mark, the most luxurious folks. They, were, <laughs> uh, f- folks, uh, they were all covered in gold and <laughs> platinum flakes. We, we were the least luxurious, yeah, there by, oh, far. by far, by far. But we by, by far the least good looking people there as well. well. You know. That's, that's pretty much any room. I was going to say that's any room that we're in. Yeah, <laughs> a very, a very uh, handsome bunch there. Uh, we went to the independent bar and kitchen, and you probably hear. We'll probably reiterate this during the interview, but yeah, I thought it was a joke at first, and then it turns out it wasn't a joke. I fully expected that when we showed up to the event, it would be uh, somebody would just pants us and run off. <laughs> it would be a hazing. It would be a hazing. Yeah. Yeah. Put on the Goose Island uh, website. Somebody would break off. Put on the Goose Island in our bums and the Goose Island Facebook page. <laughs> exactly, hazing local podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> a new trend. Now they've been acquired by AB. <laughs> this is the power do. they have: is to pants and, and haze podcasters. Exactly. Yep. It was an awesome event overall. It was, it was very cool that they looped us into all their rare beers. They looped us into their awesome like six course meal. Yeah. Uh, we, Although, we ate all six courses at once because <laughs> yeah. you know we were doing the interview at first, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. It was still luxurious food. The server brought us oysters at the very beginning, and 45 minutes later we got to them, so they yeah. weren't quite in that fresh, cold oyster. <laughs> uh, you know, the way you like to enjoy a, a nice plate of oysters. They still tasted fine. They were fine. Yes. But I was a little worried about botulism. I know, me too. But <laughs> I, I ate like, them anyway. But it's like, eh, it is oysters, and they're right in front of my face. <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm starving. So yeah. I'm going to eat them anyways. But, yeah. uh, the meal was good, though. It was. It was good food all around. It was a lot of food to bring us all at once, though. It was. It yes. was like some sort of pie confection and <laughs> massive pork chops. A with super fancy raspberries, salad. Raspberries, a super fancy salad with like... Tuna tartare in it. Yeah, it was like dragon's breath. Yeah. Edible form. I don't yeah. know. It had all kinds of rarities Oysters. in it. There was yeah. a lot to eat all at once. It was good, though. On top of that, all the beer. We had some really, really great beer. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this is our very special episode. This is with Jesse Valenciana and Paul Darnby. They are the national brand activation manager and brewer of Goose Island. Both have uh, better on-air personalities than we do, actually. Absolutely. That's. I don't know what that says about us. Uh, well, take, <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to the show, then. Right. So here it is, episode 98 of Brew Bloods with Goose Islands, Jesse and Paul. Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, Goose Island VIP launch here as part of 2017's Migration Week. My name's Mark. Dustin. I'm, I'm Dustin, yeah. <laughs> and we're joined by uh, Paul and Jesse from Goose Island. Paul, you're a brewer, and Jesse is the national brand manager. So uh, let's start with Paul. Um, what's, uh, tell us about your trek through Goose Island. How, you, how did you come to be at Goose Island? Uh, well, I actually was originally uh, brought on about uh, two years ago uh, through the tap room. Uh, it opened up in May of 2015 uh, at our Fulton Brewery there. 
Uh, I was brought on as a tour guide there. Uh, I always had a passion for beer. Uh, been a big home brewer, and eventually I was in the facility enough and pestered the brewers enough that they're eventually uh, foolish enough to give me a job. Aggravated your way there, into yeah. a job? That's yeah. nice. Yeah, and now I get to annoy them as coworkers <laughs> as opposed to a tour guide now. Were you, uh, were you a home brewer before you went to Goose Island? Uh, yeah, I've been doing it for about like five, six years. Yeah. Love doing it and wanted to do it on a professional scale. So how long, I guess you've just been working, was it selling your first job in the industry, I guess? Or uh, Yeah, I'd done some bartending at a craft beer bar outside of that, okay. and I did some like contract work through used too, but yeah. So what made you just pull the trigger and decide, was it just a dream and you finally decided, <laughs> I got to do this? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd saved up enough money that I was willing to take the pay cut to be a <laughs> pretty much, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Too cheap. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to say, if, if anybody has any questions, if you want to come over here um, to my left, uh, we'll certainly open the open it up to questions a little bit later. Uh, or if you have something you immediately need to ask, just come over here and I'll hand you the mic. Uh, so, Jesse, you're the national brand manager. What is a national brand manager? National brand activation. So I do activation. The, uh, yep. I manage all the national events for Goose Island. Um, I started off on the Migration Week team as a coordinator and uh, got to travel the, the country, the world, actually, um, doing these Migration Weeks which is kind of like our, you know, behind the scenes we call it our culture tour. Okay. So it's, a, you know, an opportunity for us to essentially bring the brewery on the road. So this week's team, for example, we've got Robbie, who's our national uh, brand ambassador. Nick is uh, the, the national coordinator. Alex is the smartest guy in the room. He's uh, the QA guy. And Paul, you're a brewer? <laughs> That's what my shirt. shirt tells me. There now. you go. Yeah. So, well. yeah, it's like, you know, we, we try to get everybody from the brewery and, Kind of the joke that we tell is we're not pretty enough to be promo models, so we send real people from the brewery, you know? Yeah, I can relate to that, yeah. <laughs> so are you, are you on the road consecutively for every migration week? I used to be. Uh, yeah, the, the last three years I was on the road all the freaking time. Yeah. My dog forgot who I was. Uh, <laughs> but now, you know, I've, I've moved on, and Nick's going to be on the road a lot more. Robbie's been on the road, I think, since last year, almost every freaking week. Yeah. Wow. How many cities do you guys go to? This year we're doing 15 national and seven international. Every oh, okay. year it's, it's changed, right? So last year we did about almost 40 different cities. Uh, we're kind of targeting mid-level markets along with uh, the larger markets. This year we're going to larger markets. Okay. So what was your, what was your path to Goose Island? I um, I'm a food guy. I've I've written a couple of cookbooks, and I used to own a catering company. And Goose hired me to do some events, and I've been doing food and beer pairing dinners for a long time. So. Uh, that's kind of how I snuck in, and there was a, a part-time job um, opening while I was waiting for our book to get published. So I'm like, "God's free time, I'm going to apply for a part-time job." And I, as the story goes, the guy that went for the coordinator job failed his drug test. No. So they're like, "Would you want a full-time job?" And I'm like, "Hmm, okay." <laughs> and I've, I mean, I've, I've always loved Goose Island. I actually, uh, the the first craft beer I ever had was Honker's Ale. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it was kind of one of those things where I'm like this is too good to be true. And yeah. <laughs> I took the job and here I am. So I'm kind of interested. I mean, I think the obvious is we have to ask about the acquisition. What acquisition? <laughs> For, uh, the one that never happened. I've <laughs> never right. acquired anything. Uh, <laughs> I just kind of, we were at, uh, we were at Avery a couple weeks ago uh, over in Boulder and um, we were talking about their, I'm kind of wondering, they're obviously still an independent craft brewery. Uh, how's the environment changed to Goose Island since the acquisition? Is it, and what is the culture like in general? Because they're real collaborative over there. What's it like at Goose Island as far as making the beer and, and the whole Safer. team? Safer. <laughs> AB's got quality standards. That's weird. Um, no, I mean, from you can talk about the brewing stuff. I'll talk about from like the, the culture standpoint. If anything, it's 
gotten stronger. You know, we're very autonomous of, of AB. They, they really leave us alone. They trust us. You know, with all the acquisitions they have now, they, they kind of look to us to, to help lead them uh, as far as culture goes, you know. Um, and realistically, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have a job here. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, but yeah, I mean, it's it really, I know on the outside, everybody thinks it's like this big, scary thing, but um, I've never met more passionate people than those that work at Goose Island. You know, um, we get different people, but we just keep going with it. You know, it's... That's what I was going to ask, too, if you guys get a lot of negative yeah. feedback or not. And I, I get it, man. I'm a, yeah. I'm a beer nerd. Before I started working at Goose, I've been doing beer stuff for years, over 10 years. So it's like mm-hmm. I get what people think, but the reality is way much more different than what people think it is. Beer? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely impacted us on the brewing side a whole lot, but the only thing I can say about that is in a positive light. Uh, we have equipment and resources now made available to us that – Maybe a handful of U.S. craft breweries can say they have uh, 10,000 barrels at our 30,000-square-foot barrel warehouse. Uh, we have a piece of uh, mash filter, it's called. Uh, I think there's maybe three breweries in the United States that own one of those, one of the most like high-tech pieces of brewing equipment you can possibly have in your facility. Uh, we have a team of six people just like Alex over there doing all our quality for us in the lab there, making sure that we're busting out a consistent product all the time. And, you know, people say craft and they want to think like a nice mom and pop little, you know, sure. quaint shop. But resources make better beer, essentially, too. And that's what's made available to us. What's your point to consistency? You know, it's, yeah. if you look at what small breweries strive to be is a consistent brewery. You know, I homebrewed. And when you make different batches, each one's going to taste wildly different. Maybe I'm not a good homebrewer, but uh, craft breweries, same thing. You know, now we're, at, we're working with systems where it eliminates that. You know, so you're having that same beer over and over and over. And say what you want. Um, if you have a Budweiser in China and you go to L.A. and have a Budweiser, Absolutely. it still tastes the same. Yeah, we heard that from Breckenridge, talking to them about it as well, that the acquisition helped them to take their signature beers and kind of have that being brewed. And then it allowed them to have more time for experimenting yeah. and other things. I know you guys obviously have like the bourbon County and some other things that you kept, you kept more uh, local and uh, didn't go to the InBev brewing. I believe yeah. I may have that wrong, but that's no, what that's I true. understand. Um, so if you guys found that to be true, are you able to experiment more now or is it kind of the same as it's always been? Or no, I mean, that's, that's what you want. You, you get your core beers, right? To, have someone else have that burden. We still have, we have, we, we test the beer every day. So oh, okay. it's not like we're just like, here, go make our beer. These guys are in there every day testing, tasting. Uh, but it, it takes a burden off of us, you know. So these big beers, you could either have a brewery that's making two beers over and over. And where's the creativity in that? These brewers would be bored. Uh, now we've got a pilot system. We're doing really awesome creative beers. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great thing. So do you, um, do you have anything in the pipeline that uh, you can announce, maybe anything special in the works? Or? We um, are doing a – no. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a hazy brain right now, so I can't come up with clever things. Take it away, Paul. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. I just make the stuff. They don't tell me whether or not I can talk about it. Um, <laughs> We're doing a barrel-aged beer with uh, Fireball. Yeah, no, it's great, yeah. <laughs> we want to make more enemies. <laughs> can make it with the what's that whiskey that was brought from chicago that michael oh, brought oh lord yeah Malort, there you go. Malort we're beer. acquiring malort <laughs> we're doing a craft malort <laughs> no we actually we should talk about the fooder projects oh yeah no yeah. that's great stuff uh, we just we just acquired uh six fooders 
Uh, yeah, I believe it's six. We actually didn't necessarily acquire them. We brought in um, Coopers from, I think, it was Spain. That French dudes. French dudes, yeah. French dudes, Spanish. Yeah, some, we the bought European some guys. guys. We brought them in. You bought, bought them, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the black market. <laughs> How much for your yeah. French dudes? Yeah. <laughs> Get them over here. Build some barrels. Uh, yeah, we've got some... Uh, so we've been working on the Fooder project now for two years, and we're starting to get uh, beer from the Fooder. So that's super exciting. Cooper yeah. Series? Uh, Cooper Series 2. Uh, I think we have the, some of the Fooder project beers at some of the events here later this week, too, don't we? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, yes, there's some we do, of those over there, too, if anyone wants to come and check those out. Um, the Cooper Series 2, uh, we've obviously been very revered for our barrel program for a long time now, and people have always been clamoring for us to like expand our offerings there and... Uh, we started, uh, we're going to l- release three beers uh, this year. Uh, the first one up was a barrel-aged uh, Scotch Ale. It's about three months in uh, bourbon barrels there. Uh, really great, well-balanced beer. It's been getting great feedback so far. Um, next up is another one. Uh, we were talking about the innovation uh, side of things that we've been available to do. Uh, one of the beers that uh, was done last year by one of our brewers was a bourbon barrel-aged uh, blonde Doppelbach. One of our beers, which will be coming out later this year. Uh, fantastic. Um, we're going to expand that offering. And the uh, last one, I think, is uh, what was one of our Fulton and Wood beers. I think it was a real nice surprise. Yeah. It's uh, going to be a bourbon barrel-aged uh, lactose porter, so like a milk mm. porter instead of a milk stout, essentially. And I think in years to come, the plan is to eventually incorporate other barrels besides bourbon into the yeah. program as well so the yeah. cool thing is too like we're uh, with uh, the cooper series <clears throat> you're, you're getting to do different beers instead of just doing like the big imperial stouts you know it, right everybody knows it's for and it's it shows what else we're playing with you know and um yeah i, I think it really shows a range of our, our brewing uh you know capabilities Hi, what's the longest you've barrel aged something i know there was one you talked about before this show the pappy van winkle you aged for two years yeah uh, the how far out do you plan and how far do, how do you know when it's ready I guess I, know, I mean obviously you're constantly sampling it um, but how long do you want to go when you're barrel aging like what's what's pushing the limit or well it's different for different beers like uh, say that you know well. Madame Rose is what 18 months so that one I remember yeah. when I first started at, working at Goose we were supposed to release it and there was like a big marketing push behind it and we're like, yeah, 12 months. And then the brewers in the lab go and test, and they're like, yeah, it's not ready. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to wait. You know, it's um, it's going to play by ear and yeah. see how it's going. Yeah. But purposely, I mean, what's the longest that we barely age beers for? I think rare was two years. Yeah. Thought about doing maybe a barley wine, doing like 10 years, <laughs> make it ultra rare. <laughs> wow. That would be awesome. <laughs> we did do, well, our barley wine, uh, we did King Henry a, a few years ago with the rare barrel, but that doesn't age for that long. It's only, what, four Four months? I think, uh, no, I think we actually did, uh, I think it was two years in those barrels, wasn't it? I think Not it might have been a year. I think you're lying. Yeah, you're I, lying, might, I do lie a lot about it. Yeah, I think it was roughly like uh, two score. We kept it in there. Maybe like, no, I'm Two knots? <laughs> How fast are you going? Two knots? Uh, yeah, I think it was maybe like a year or so. Was it? In there, yeah. yeah. But I think the longest is about two years because eventually you just get diminishing returns from yeah. Yeah. evaporation and other things too. So. Yeah. so conversely, and this kind of stems from an actual one of the few good questions we got from Reddit. Uh, they weren't being complete. We go. We're going to they won't be complete a-holes now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, it's cons- you really got to sift through it to find the good yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Conversely, from your barrel aging program, the base of the Bourbon County was the Cook Stout, which has always, from what I've heard, was they say it was a terrible beer, but it made for a good barrel aged beer. Is that that's is that true? The, the beer, the base the, beer actually is a is Cook County very, so. 
great tasting beer at all. Have you thought about just as maybe like even like an April Fool's thing, just putting that out one year just to see how people respond? <laughs> yeah, let's see how that works. With people, uh, we're not allowed to have a sense of humor. Put it in Northern Brewer or something. <laughs> yeah, let someone do it at home. Wasn't yeah, Night Stalker or something like that. Wasn't Night no, Stalker? No, Night Stalker was a dry hop version of of the base beer. But yeah. um, a couple years ago, I, I did like a deconstruction class, the deconstruction of BCS, and I got the brewers to give me some of the non-barrel-aged BCS just for people to try it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like all these guys were like, yeah, I'm going to get to try BCS. And you give them that, and they're like, oh, what is this? And you're like, that's BCS before it's barrel-aged. It's just like a very accurate beer. You know, like it, the thing is, like what I've seen in, in my travels, like you go to these different places, and you have their barrel-aged beer, and they're like, yeah, we made this delicious imperial stout. Now we're going to put it in a barrel. And you're like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. You want to make a base beer that's going to take on the flavors of the barrel. That's right. Like you're showcasing the barrel that it's aged in, you know? So, so yeah, so this question, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. uh, this guy, Die 21 from Reddit, he actually wanted to know, he's a home brewer, and he wanted to know if you would ever release that recipe uh, for the base stout. How much money does he have? Right, yeah. (laughs) That's what I figured. We can make it work. We're from Chicago. It's part of the secret, right? (laughs) We accept bribes. Paul? Um, I mean, the ingredients, we've never really kept a secret from anyone there because we've done the deconstruction classes uh, before. It's just, I mean, if he's curious what those base malt are, I'm pretty sure you can even find it online on our website, too. But it's basically (laughs) just... Uh, Tiro, Munich, black malt, roasted barley, C60, chocolate malts, and I think that's basically that's about it. Uh, yeah. So there you go. There's the recipe. Yeah, just <laughs> you get always your, go make it. Now. Yeah, there you go. Just get your hands on some like eight-year-age bourbon yeah. barrels, you know, through your local Cooper right there. Brew yeah. up the stout. <laughs> your yeah. local knock Cooper. Yourself, yeah, knock yourself yeah. out. Yeah. Friendly neighborhood Cooper. Yeah. I'll take two barrels, please. <laughs> so since you're so famous for your barrel aging, how how much pressure do you have to continue to evolve that versus going into other styles maybe maybe getting a little more trendy with say the advent of the northeast ipa hazy ipa yep. lately or i mean do you, do you feel a lot of pressure yeah. to just keep uh, making that barrel age program better and better or do you have the opportunity or they maybe ab wants you to go in a different direction just to see what else you can tap into no i mean i think that, that comes from us more than ab i mean you always want to I said this yesterday at one point. Like, if you think you're the best and you're, I think you've like given up, right? When you're like, I can't get any better, stop, play something else. But for us, you know, we're we're always strive to be the best at what we do. And you know, as far as like the Cooper project, again, it's that lets us play with other things. So we're not, we're still doing our BCS. It's still going to be great every year. But our brewers get to play around with barrels for other beers. Has there been any push, or maybe it's a capacity issue anyway, to have maybe more uh, BCS available? Or do you guys like having that special release on Black Friday and having it be a little bit more exclusive and then having other things like IPA and Hawkers and things be more available? I mean, uh, we like I, I mentioned our barrel warehouse before. Um, there's obviously a finite amount of square footage mm-hmm. in that facility, and being in the city of Chicago, obviously uh, property is... Yeah. pricey to expand, yeah. yeah. Is eventually gets to the point where we're going to reach maximum capacity there. Um, we're constantly trying to expand that program, though, but eventually you're just going to reach the point. There's only so much we can brew. There's only so much yeah. we can fill. And there's really so, so many, many barrels, barrels, too. Yeah, Fair enough, yeah. If yeah. you think about how many barrels are out there, I, I've got numbers before, and it was like, of all the barrels that are in the United States, I think it's like 70-something percent end up going to Scotland for scotch. So now you have how many breweries in the United States right now? Like more than pre-prohibition, right? Um, 
all these people fighting for this finite amount of barrels. Mm-hmm. So we may want to, we can buy like 20 blocks worth of building space, but if you don't have the barrels, what are you going to do? Like build a cool skate park? <laughs> True. <laughs> are we going to do that? That's a secret. Yeah, okay. This isn't live, is it? <laughs> no, no. So this you, is off the record. Just cut that out, yeah. Have you guys seen any issues with that, with such an explosion of local craft beer everywhere? Have you guys seen any sales issues with uh, having to get shelf space? Or maybe, I guess maybe the ABM Bev, that's part of the advantage, that they have some of that uh, available. But it seems like some of the other larger craft brewers that we've talked to. Like Stone. Um, yeah, like Stone or Founders or a couple have said, you know, they're getting squeezed a little more than they used to, maybe maybe five years ago or ten years ago or something. Everybody's feeling it, man. I, I think it's awesome that there's so many breweries out there. There's so many good breweries out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, shelf space is like barrel space. It's finite, right? So yeah. as long as there's good beer being made, cool. Let them fight it out the, at the supermarket. You know, we're going to keep doing our thing. And, I mean, we're fighting for shelf space mm-hmm. with breweries that we're in the same family with. So, yeah. yeah. I, Paul? I just make the stuff, man. Yeah. I don't know where it ends up. You don't deal with yeah, that yeah. side. Yeah. Me, Paul. Me, they don't let them. I'm surprised you let me talk to anybody on this trip, to be honest with you. So, Paul, where are you in the brewer food chain over at Goose Island? Like, oh, the absolute bottom. Yeah. No. 100%. I don't know where necessarily uh, the food chain or the hierarchy falls there. He's um, the plankton. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say there. Um, yeah, wherever like the single cell organism falls in there. But... Um, no, I mean, uh, um, we have a lot of new brewers in there right now, which is kind of cool. A lot of people who are chomping at the bit to, you know, cut their brewing teeth there, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, uh, we have it kind of tiered in there, though, so we have uh, brewers up on the hot side, the brew house, as we call it, and the cellar, the cold side, handling the fermentation. I'm up on the brew house, um, making the wort, as we call it, that sweet, sugary water yeah. that's going <laughs> to become beer, but yeah. How many brewers are there? Oh, uh, too many to count right now. Uh, I think we are around 25 to 30, somewhere in there, currently uh, between management and the plankton, like me, essentially, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one question we had from uh, Stefan from the What's on Tap podcast. He's over in the, uh, in the Netherlands. Um, he was wondering when you're going to bring Bourbon County over to, the, to Sweden and, and Denmark and all that. Did we already mention that we accept bribes? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it gets out there. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. With Migration Weeks, we, we try to get BCS uh, around the world. But it's trying to get beer outside of the United States is a big pain mm-hmm. in the neck. Trying to get it in Texas is, <laughs> we're like, here, take our good beer. And what is it, TAB? TABC, yeah. TABC, yeah. man. They're <laughs> no fun. They're, yeah, they're um, a frequent that sums, foe. That sums yeah. it up. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult in the, in the states, you know, let alone trying to get it to another country. Right now, uh, one of the things I'm doing is trying to get beer to Asia. And I was actually trying to get some beer in Canada, and they're like, "Okay, well, how big is this bottle? How much does it weigh? How much does the pallet weigh? How much does the case weigh?" And you're like, "I'm terrible at numbers, man. Like, yeah. for Todd about it. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. You guys just opened up a tap room in Shanghai, right? We did. Yeah. How was uh, how was that? How does the planning go into this when you're based in Chicago? How, do you have somebody living over there permanently that's one of your employees that's building everything from the ground up and getting plans together and getting so, through the walls? And I, I was in Shanghai last year uh, for Migration Week. So you kind of scope out the scene, and mm-hmm. then you, we build a team. You've got guys that are um, used to you know, building out things according to Goose Island. Um, I guess we're trying to re- recreate what we have in Chicago. So you've got to 
build different teams. And then on top of that, you've got like the brewing team. So as those guys come to Chicago and spend um, some time learning side by side our brewers here and, you know, you, you release them out and hopefully they put out a good product like we do in Chicago. Do you see a different demand out there for different types? Like maybe maybe it, different. I, I don't know if all the bourbon barrels sells as well there. It's all the same or, you know, maybe they have a different different palette. Yeah, it, and that's, that's exactly what it is, man. It, it's yeah. a different palette everywhere you go. I was in Mexico City three years ago and, you know, we had our, our lineup of beers and IPA wasn't really like a, a hit because, you know, their, their palates aren't used to really – um, bitter beers, but Sophie was a huge hit. You know, they loved it. It's a very creamy, smooth, easy drinking beer. And I went back a year later, and everybody's got this really awesome pale ale now. So it's like, okay, like it's it just takes time. It's evolving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in, in Asia, it was um, one of the cool things about being in the AB Network. Like our beer gets to be as fresh as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a few beer festivals in in South Korea and in, in uh, Shanghai, and a lot of the pale ales that I had, the IPAs, were just you could tell they sat in a storage container at 120 degrees for like too long because you're like, there's That's no always pleasant, beer, yeah. you know? Yeah. But our beer, we can get it in there quicker. And, you know, it's cool that we can use Goose Island as like that beer that's setting standards and like teaching other countries about craft beer. So like now they're, they're tasting a proper IPA, you know? It's like yeah. that's what hops are supposed to taste like. What's the craft beer scene like in Asia? I'm, I'm assuming it's an untapped market for all American brewers, obviously, but what is the overall craft beer scene like? It's blossoming. Just like, I mean, yeah. craft beer everywhere is, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's not already there, it's, it's getting to be there. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of different breweries that we visited. Um, Shanghai's got some really good breweries. Uh, but yeah, again, like everywhere you get a lot of these expats or guys from, you know, down there, it's like guys from Australia and New Zealand, you know, having a go at it in, in, in Asia and it's uh, it's growing and it's cool because they're they're learning from the states and trying to do their, their thing out there what's their preferred style that lagers are always yeah, like lager, a, yeah. good pilsners are, are huge you know and mm-hmm. again it's that that's going to change like yeah. once you introduce people to more beer and they get used to it uh, they're very experimental and you know before you know it there will be a huge IPA craze or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about imperial stouts yet I think those are kind of big, big beers. You know, I don't know if uh, they're that big yet there. So have you guys uh, thought about, like, Stone opened up Stone Berlin recently. Have you guys thought about opening up a brewery in Europe or Asia? I you guys are big in London, I think. That's, a, that's beyond us. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Above yeah. your pay grade, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we utilize contracted out facilities through the AB network uh, mm-hmm. abroad naturally too um we should start a rumor right now yeah we should start one right <laughs> yeah. now uh we in antarctica we actually have a an igloo brewery that we're <laughs> yeah, that they're in iceland uh, Iceland's yeah, got we're a... saving so much money on cold storage though it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah it pays for itself essentially the shipping's terrible though yeah the buildings are heated yeah. with whale blubber yeah. <laughs> uh all right well so we'll get into like miscellaneous questions here again if anybody has any questions you know come up here and we'll certainly open it up to anybody who wants to but uh so, Josh, the host of the Inner Brews podcast, want to know if you how much backlash you saw from the uh, Budweiser Super Bowl ad. How much nut kicking did you get? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was good. Everything's still no intact. more nut kicking than usual. You know, just like this <laughs> usual amount, standard amount of nut kicks. How, how much backlash do you see in person versus? I mean, obviously, online is a cesspool, but uh, oh, yeah. it, like, it's how, to be hidden. Yeah, yeah, it's always negative. It's always outrage culture. But how much do you see? Do you get any in person? I mean, people coming up to you and. We're scary dudes, man. Not a lot of people <laughs> yeah. are like, you suck. They think I'm going to stab him or something. I don't know. Um, 
Not not a lot, really. You know, like that's the thing. It's at the end of the day, I'm like, I get it. You're frustrated. Everybody feels, everybody has this ownership to something that they really care for. You know, right. So, but when they're in person, they get to meet us. They're like, oh, you're not all complete idiots, and like you are passionate about beer. So then they, we open a bottle of BCS or something else. Then they're cool. <laughs> We're like, here, dude. I know you're angry. <clears throat> I'd be angry if I was in my mom's basement too all the time. Right. Here, have this beer with me. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, like online, of course, you've got the trolls. Everybody's going to take shots at us. Yeah. It's like that test, you know, like when you, you can shock someone, and if there's a barrier, people go crazy to level 11. Once you move, remove that barrier, people are like, oh, I'm not going to hurt you. They take shots at you, and yet they line, yeah. they line up they, for BCS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take it. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. And then inevitably, somebody will say, it's a drain poor beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so we see that all the time. Then I give Paul's number out. I'm like, you call this guy, man. <laughs> Is your screensaver the Matrix? It is. Okay. It is. All right. I was just True nerd sure. fashion. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, for each of you, what was your first beer? Not craft beer. What was your first beer? I think first beer, maybe ever a Yingling. I think. Uh, I think first craft beer was probably like a Sierra Nevada and like a fish parking lot or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have it. I meant... Um, I was smoking Sierra Nevada, man. <laughs> Playing hacky sack with the bros. Right, exactly. Yeah. We just call it hacking. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think my first beer ever was an Ice House. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, because we're like, what person alcohol? I couldn't even do math back. I can't do it now. I'm like, I think it's a lot. Let's drink it. <laughs> You have to do, it just says it. There's no math. I think he just says you just gets you. It. I think it says yeah. gets you drunk, yeah. dude. I'm like, all right, cool, comma, dude. All right, let's do it. So outside your own brewery, what's what would you say is your favorite brewery? Oh man, can I? How do I answer this? Well, uh, <laughs> coach me with my. I would say <laughs> use an A B in Bath Brewery. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. yeah okay. There you uh, go. Yeah. We have to. Someone else in the family. Yeah. And Chicago, like, let, let's do this. Let's do Chicago and then national, and then perfect. Okay, Three. all right, all right. I can do that. I can do that. Welcome um, to the Jesse Show. Chicago. Uh, you know, I'm really. There's this new upstart that uh, they're actually very new, and I'm usually like not. I usually like have to wait a few years before I like try a brewery's beer so that I kind of figure it out. But uh, there's a brewery called Dovetail in oh, Chicago yeah, yeah. that makes some great uh, traditional German beers. They have huh? this uh, uh, Rausch beer that's. Unbelievably good if you like smoked beer. They're great. So, yeah, they're Chicago. They're one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but Guile, and there, there's so many good breweries in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Weiner Brewing, one of our former brewers went off on his own, and he's doing these really good barrel-aged uh, Belgian beers. He's canning Belgian beers. It's pretty awesome. He does really good stuff. Weiner Brewing. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Dovetail yeah. for Chicago. They're great. National? Uh, mm-hmm. National? Oh man, uh, I mean, I guess it's another alum two, three there, but I think Firestone Walker just makes oh, yeah. some of the best beer out there, and we always like to claim that Brindleton used to be one of ours over at the brewery there. <laughs> right. So I guess that's kind of fair to do there. But are we becoming best friends right now? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I love Firestone Walker is awesome. Fremont's also really good in, in Seattle, but I'm going to strangely yeah. agree with you on Firestone yeah. Walker. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> when you locked eyes and knew you were yeah, in love. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was true love. International. Maybe closer beer buddies. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. If, if we get the third one, if we get three out of three, we're in love. <laughs> International. Um, okay. I think I'm going to have to go Belgian with that. And I think 
Probably one of my favorite beers out there is probably Rodenbach Grand Cruz. I'm going to go Rodenbach. Ooh. Yeah. I was going to go Westmall. You're going to go Westmall? Or Rochefort. Fair enough. Yeah. Surprised nobody yeah. said Canteon. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drain pour, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. Oh, they so, make beer? Yeah. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Uh, so when you're both not constantly on tour, I, I know, Paul, you're... Uh, Usually not on tour. Yeah, keep me on. Right. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious what your day looks like as a brewer and as a national activation brand. Whatever, whatever the phrase was, I can't remember now. Whatever <laughs> national brand activation AD gave me guy. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, average day at the brewery usually like a scrub brush in hand and just like. Uh, um. I mean, it's just. It's about repetition there. It's a lot of the same stuff, like hauling around bags of grain, weighing out buckets of hops, and making sure that the sugary water ends up in the vessel it needs to be in and the you know, specifications it needs to be at. Yeah. As a brewer, are you... Uh, I mean, you're here. I know this is like a vacation week sort of for you. I mean, no, you're working, but... Oh, yeah. It's a, no, it's a rager. <laughs> it's, um, but no, I just, I'm just wondering, uh, how much are you encouraged or... Does Goose Island ask you to be part of promotional events, even within Chicago, like to go out and do stuff and rub they the brand? They don't even know I'm here, to be <laughs> honest with you. I just hopped in Justin's carry-on bag and like signed up for four vacation days. I was like, I'm out of here. Um, no, the, the thing about Goose is uh, it's such a great opportunity from a brewing standpoint because um, they want you to be like very versatile, to be able to go out and like see the consumers and help educate is a big part of it. Uh, all of a sudden, you like get this stencil on your shirt, and people kind of want to listen to you here and there when you have something to say. So they want to make sure that we can go out there, we can educate the consumer on the product because uh, we want the consumers to be educated because we feel like we make really great beer and we want them to know that. Right. I guess is kind of part of it. So yeah, no, they definitely. Don't mind. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what's your day like when you're not on tour? Um, just overseeing migration week, making fun of Nick. It's floppy <laughs> here. Um, just, you know, realistically, we've got a lot of national events and just keeping your eye on those and managing, making sure everything that's supposed to be there is going to be there, making sure we've got beers for certain events. Um, we've got brewers for certain events. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of little things, you know, that uh, can't be overlooked, so you have to make sure you're on top of everything. All right, so Cod from Reddit wanted you to settle a debate. Uh, it, the, the bottle of Bourbon County says it was first brewed in 1992, but per the Chicago Tribune, they say it was brewed first brewed in 1995. So which one is it in reality? <laughs> mm. And can you even settle that? He said maybe if you're talking to John Hall. Well, Greg Hall was, was or Greg the Hall, one that I'm made sorry. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Hall stands by 1992, so I'm going to stand by Greg Hall. Yeah. Um, but Josh Noel, I know he's hell bent on proving that it was two thousand or uh, nineteen ninety five. <laughs> I think they should just jump in pudding and wrestle it out. Yeah, <laughs> like let's cool. You won, yeah, dude. Have a final nineteen ninety two. It is. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Barrel aged um, pudding. <laughs> early nine isn't early nineties good enough? Like early nineties. Yeah. yeah, that's nineteen ninety three and a half. Yeah. That's math. I just did math. Sort of. I think I was wrong. Yeah, split the difference and be done yeah. with it. I don't Let's know. Do People were wearing flannel shirts or something, you know. I don't Hate know. Hating yeah, yeah, dirty question, parents, for sure. Yeah. That's true, yeah. He's yeah. a Generation X, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's. I'm going to go with 92. 
All right, so do you guys have a favorite? How much Texas beer, craft beer do you get up there? And if so, what's your favorite Texas craft brewery Ooh. or beer, conversely? Um, and if you don't have an experience, that's fine, too. <laughs> what was, uh, well, we just, uh, Carbach just joined the family. They got some great beer, too. Obviously, that's why they're acquired, put in the AB network, too. Uh, they have a great Kolsch, great Pilsner. That Kolsch uh, is amazing at Love Street. Yeah, that is really good. Uh, I mean, Chester King's got some good stuff, too. Some good sours coming out of Austin there, too. Hops and Grain in Austin's really good, too. Independence. I didn't even try stuff when I was there. But yeah. Independence has that uh, White Rabbit that's really good. Oh, um, yeah, no, the beer is good. That's tasty. Um, obviously, Shiner. Sure. I don't know. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, but I've, I've always liked Carbach. We got to visit them years ago, and it was cool for them to join the family. Uh, but I, we were in Houston two weeks ago, and I, I seriously like fell completely in love with Love Street. I'm in oh, love yeah, with Love. Oh, yeah, that's a good rhythm. Yeah, that's a good one. We snuck some of those back home to Chicago, and we're like trying to pull the "we're in the family" card and have them send it, but it's not that easy. <laughs> Still never had that. Uh, I guess last question: Unless anybody else has anything you want to ask, but um, uh, what's your favorite style of beer? Is it uh, stout or IPA? Something? Or does it vary depending on the season? It, I, I, it would be unfair for myself to pick one favorite style. I gravitate towards Belgians, but there's really not much beer that I don't love. <laughs> yeah. To be completely honest, I'm, I'm falling back in love with IPAs. I, we, we broke up, started seeing other people, and now I'm kind of like, hey, maybe give me another chance. It's such chance. a big push for a while, yeah. Yeah. I had to take a break. So I'm coming around again. I've changed. Yeah. I don't know. I, if it's a good, clean Pilsner, I can never turn it down. It's probably like the most drinkable beer I have, but I've always been a hophead, too. I started yeah. drinking beer because I like IPAs, and I still like them, so yeah. Is there anything that. Uh, I guess, well, I, 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 let me ask this. Uh, at Avery, they actually allow them to drink on the jobs while they're not being dangerous. How is it at uh, Goose Island? Are you allowed to drink and be drink cautious? On the job? We're, we're allowed to analyze. <laughs> analyze. On the job. Quality test. Um, yeah. No, I mean, we, it, it actually is part of it. We do have a like taste panel uh, held daily to make sure that the beer is of a quality standard to be sent out the door. Um, but outside of that, it's... I hear these stories of like these brewers are just like drinking on the job, and I'm like, how are you doing that? I'm like, how are you like operating heavy machinery and lifting all these bags around? I'd be like dry heaving in the corner, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? I'm, how are you employed? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, especially in like the summertime, that brewery gets to be like 110 degrees. It's like, yeah, if you want to die of dehydration, have fun. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, not that much, really. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not too productive after a few <laughs> yeah. beers, so I'm. I wait till at least two o'clock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let me actually just saw this too. So, I'm always curious: is there one beer that didn't make it out of the brewery that you really wanted to see succeed? Something new that you had to end up maybe dumping or. And conversely, what's your favorite beer that Goose Island makes? Oh my god! Oh my god! Who's uh, your favorite child? Oh my god! Brother. I pick uh, you. Um, favorite beer? You know the dump one, one that I would hope would make it out there. I can't really think of one that got dumped. I'm trying to. Nah, honestly, I couldn't tell you with that mm-hmm. one. Um, favorite beer, though. I, I mean, I've always. Loved Sophie. I think Sophie's just like a great beer for all occasions. I never don't want 
as Sophie. I feel like it's such an approachable, such a nuanced, just like great, unique beer. I don't think anyone's making anything quite like Sophie, and I love that beer a whole lot. Yeah, I, Sophie's one of my favorites. I really love Pepinero. Uh, Pierre Jacques is, is amazing, but I, I'm going to go with Pepinero. Just because the malt bill is... All right, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> Can I take it back? Yeah. <laughs> I said Sophie's my close second. I know, I'm just going to... All right, so anything All right. else? Um, Dustin? No, I think we're good. All right, here's uh, our local rep, Michael. So, Fulton Wood Series is an internal competition. Yeah? Oh, my God. No. Who's the, uh, who's the best Fulton Wood brewing team up in Chicago? Well, uh-huh. I'm glad you asked. Uh, Jesse and I are actually on a Fulton and Wood team together, and our beer is going to be the third release, quarter three, this year. Uh, we have a name for it. Do you want to – I kind of feel like we should have Robbie say it with this Nespresso accent, but no. Um, sorry, that's like a little too inside. Uh, it's called uh, Le Gardien. It's a, Le beer, uh, a beer de garde. Uh, with pear concentrate added, and we actually just found out that the Fulton and Wood teams have been assembled for next year, and Nick, Robbie, and I are going to be on the team, and that will be the next best. That team sucks. Fulton and what the hell? <laughs> it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> In the future. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, oh my God, these guys know a lot about beer. You know. You guys know a lot. They about know beer. a lot about beer. Uh, but yeah, we're we're coming at you. There, there's just so many teams every year, so it's it's like really hard to say like who the best <clears throat> team is. We're always going to say the team that we're on is the best. But, I mean, really, like, we, we have so many talented brewers. Um, that's one thing, like, when I go on the road and, and people say anything, I'm just like, I will put my brewers up against any, uh, anybody else's brewers. Um, so it would be unfair to say, like, there's one really great team because they're all really damn good. And the beers that don't make it, like, you hear about them, you're like, oh, shit, why didn't that make it, you know? <laughs> um, but, again, that's a testament to the, the quality of our brewers, the skill of our brewers, and Paul, too. I think that kind of goes back to the dumb question, too. I think it's more like ideas that don't come to fruition as opposed to, like, beer yeah. that gets dumped is a little bit more. Anything wild, like, just completely weird? Paul <laughs> wanted to do a birthday cake stout. <laughs> <laughs> the Paul <laughs> unicorn? Is that, is that real? That's true, yeah. I wanted to do a Neapolitan IPA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's something that crazy coming down there's nothing too crazy yeah uh, you know i mean people are putting like bull nuts in beers you know what i'm saying right. like I'd be yeah. weirder than that um I, I think you want to make a beer with a purpose right you don't want to just be like what are the craziest ingredients stop like, beer yeah, yeah. yeah a few yeah. years ago it was like every a-hole's like oh man i'm doing this and this and this and i'm gonna make well, it a stout and you're like cool was the one here rabbit turds uh rabbit hole made uh it wasn't yeah. a it wasn't a rabbit exactly it was in the <laughs> rabbit family they yeah. made it it's like Apparently, you take their fecal matter and somehow you uh, brew the. It was actually really good. Uh, they like somehow you. <laughs> make it, I don't know exactly how they did. I forget. I forget the name of it and totally spacing. But it was actually it was in a little firkin and they brought it to Untapped or Big Texas. Did they I can't try remember which. it like firkin. Triple turded, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Triple turded. <laughs> That's a great name for a band. Um, I just, yeah, I yeah it was really good. I'm like standing over the whirlpool, like all these two rabbits, like, come on, do right. it, do it. Oh. Um, I'm just kind of like, why don't you just make a, re- like, make a good pilsner, make a good 
I don't know. That's yeah, a, that's make a good me, pilsner like... and then throw rabbit turds in there. <laughs> yeah. After you do that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Rabbit yeah. turd pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> Barrel-aged rabbit tur- turd on, pilsner. Yeah. yeah. Put your head out of your ass. <laughs> Fulton and Wood idea. All right. There you go, guys. We got it already. Rabbit turd pilsner. That's your winner right there. Island. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to see Paul, you can go see him at the brewery every other week, uh, hauling bags around and cleaning tanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> if you <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, you want to pimp your? You got a couple of books, right? Man, and something else. Uh, I'm oh, good. No? good. I'm not. You can find them on Amazon. <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, what's Man, Man BQ is all about? Uh, street food, right? Is that? Am I thinking of the wrong one? Uh, the, the second book's street food. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't pimp that. We'll then. see we'll you on tour anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just go to all the migration weeks and you'll see Jesse. Yes. You don't want to see me. Uh, you want to talk about uh, upcoming migration weeks and what you have planned in other yeah, cities? Yeah, man. That- we've, um, the, the next migration week after this, we're going to Phoenix, uh, Los Angeles. It's all on our website, gooseisland.com, uh, backslash migration weeks. But you'll see Nick everywhere. Phoenix, LA, Seattle, hashtag migration week. Thanks, Nick. Um, Denver, we're going to. Minneapolis, which is awesome. Uh, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Indianapolis, and then we end up in St. Louis. So it's a really awesome tour, and it's a good chance to not only taste a bunch of rare beers that hardly ever leave the brewery, um, but you get to meet our team. You get to meet the guys that are making the beer and, and, and talk to them and you know, really get to know our culture. And I, I think... Uh, as more and more breweries kind of pop up, it's good to know that we are still, yeah, we may be owned by a, a big, rich dad, but we're very small and humble. And, you know, if anybody has a problem with us, come by, visit the brewery. And I'm sure people that sit online and bash us after they visit us will be like, these guys aren't bad. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good note to wrap it up on. Thanks again, uh, Jesse Thank and Paul. Yeah, thanks. And thanks to all of you here at the VIP lunch. And thanks, above all, to Goose Island. Woo! Cheers. 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 <laughs> by Barbaco Apparel. Barbaco Apparel is a San Antonio-based independent clothing line that caters to Texans and Texans at heart. To find out more about Barbaco Apparel or to buy your favorite taco tea, go to barbacoapparel.com. That was, that was so special. I enjoyed it. It was very special. I feel special now. Thanks to Michael for reaching out to us. Thanks to Jesse and Paul. Thanks for the entire Goose Island crew. There was absolutely there were probably, what, five or six of them there. At least. Complete, um, from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. We got some nice swag. We both got some some hats we can wear. We did. Some flatbill caps. Some shirts. Some, yeah. Uh, yeah, some long sleeve shirts, although I don't know if there's that much call for long sleeve shirts in Texas, but I appreciate <laughs> the reach out nonetheless. It happens every now and again. Every, like, once in a random February. Right, true. Every ten years or so, we'll need a long sleeve <laughs> shirt. Uh, but thanks for the gear. Thanks for the free beer. We actually got uh, Halia, which we don't get here in Texas as far as we know. That was so good. Uh, which is the single barrel-aged version of Sophia. I might have that completely wrong. but It's you, a version of Sophia, for sure. Yeah, if you which find... Sophia you can find anywhere. Which uh, Sophia's a blend. Right. But this is a single uh, barrel. Not all the time, but you can find Sophia fairly regularly. Yeah. This is like a single malt version right. of that beer. So if you find Halia, we highly recommend it. It five stars up and down. Yeah. It was really... We had, we had one bottle at the place. We enjoyed a second bottle at our friend Javi's place, along with some KBS... Uh, Central Track Hobby. Yeah. Central Track Hobby, yeah. Along with some uh, coffee stout from some, Goose, uh, Goose Island as well. Yep. 
So yeah, it was a, it was a really, really good yeah. day. Thanks to Goose Island again, and uh, thanks to those of you who came out and watched the show live on Facebook. Absolutely. Maybe someday we'll actually do a Facebook live event, and it'll actually be in 1080p this time. <laughs> Apparently, I intentionally recorded it in 480 or something. 480 or something. Like, yeah. Oh well, like VHS quality, but. If hey, you want to watch the, if you, you actually, don't need to see us crystal clear. If you've already listened to this and for some reason you want to watch the interview, it will be up on Facebook and YouTube. You can and, watch me overly head nod, and you yeah. can see just the, barely the top of Mark's head. And you can watch Dustin; as he's the only person standing the entire time. That's true too, <laughs> awkwardly. But he insisted on <laughs> I didn't feel like sitting, lording over his giant head over everybody. So <laughs> I sat for about two seconds in the middle. Yeah. So you can find uh, the video on our uh, site, brewbloods.net, and on the Linkfist page, which will be uh, brewbloods.net slash 98. The Linkfist? The Linkfist. Yes, <laughs> the Linkfist. The link for this episode. Okay. Or the Linkfist. <laughs> I was saying the Linkfist page. Yeah. So anyways. Is uh, that a new social app I don't know about? <laughs> we should start that. <laughs> Mastodon now Linkfist. <laughs> right. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. Uh, if you enjoy us, you might just enjoy us on another show, a random show called The Break Room, which we do about once a quarter now. So yeah, exactly. On breakroom.tv. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. And check us out on other social network, including Linkfist, yeah. uh, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and Twitter. coming soon. Uh, we are Brewbloods on all those platforms. And if you have any feedback on the show, you can email us at brewbloodshow at gmail.com. Call us at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. Or you can go to our Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash brewbloods. 2337. Yep. 2337. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you guys next week for episode 99 and the premiere of our new app, Link Fisting. <laughs> where you actually, I guess you're Link Fisting when you put out links. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So for Dustin, I'm Mark. Markham Dustin. Probst. Probst. Probst.